Amazon Seller Insights presented by Zonguru. This is a series where we interview sellers who are crushing it on Amazon and we're here to learn and be inspired by their own stories to help fuel your own Amazon business. In this episode of Amazon Seller Insights, we get to interview a good friend of mine, Raj Jana. Raj Jana is an expert in branding first and foremost and has also a very successful Amazon business. One of the key tactics he covers here is how to create a lead magnet selling a product on Amazon and a subscription business off of Amazon and how those work to do. It's an insightful look into how to create a really scalable e-commerce business that has a much higher multiple value. Check it out right now. Let's kick it off, Raj. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, maybe just give us an overview of like how you got into the Amazon space, how you launched and then you know, what you've done until today. Maybe just give us a high level. Overview. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Raj. I live in Houston, Texas. I started Java Press in September of 2015. Uh, it's when I launched my first product, which, which was a, a coffee grinder, like a manual coffee grinder. Um, within 12 months, we were doing six figs in revenue. Um, and then, uh, and this is all, I was working a full-time job at the time. So it's hard managing a lot of stuff, but it forced me to sort of scale and figure out the systems and hire people and really understand where my time was leveraged well, uh, which is something that really helped in the beginning because I was forced to figure things out without having a lot of leeway. Um, and then just kept growing and growing the brand. I left my full-time job last July, actually. Yeah. So I've been a full-time entrepreneur for about seven or eight months. Um, and. Uh, um, how much? How much do you get paid to go back to? A, a, yeah, a I would. I wouldn't do it. No, I'm done. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so first year in business, we did twenty three thousand dollars in sales. Second year, we did six hundred. Third year, we did two point two million, and then just growing from there. I'm in my fourth year right now. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. We only have five SKUs. So everyone telling you you need to launch millions of products to win, you don't have to, you can. It's a strategy, of course, that works for a lot of people, but for me, I found it much more practical and effective to find winning products and then double down on them winning again and again and again to the point where it actually shatters the category and you create your own niche and your own lead so that you can use those profits to invest in other parts of the business that allow you to scale beyond just an Amazon presence, which is... Uh, Something that was really important to me at the time. So, so when you say double down and, and that focus on, on one product, what do, what do you mean by that in terms of? So our, our first product was obviously a, a manual coffee grinder. And it, it, we were doing about 20 grand a month in sales within the first three months. Um, and that just came from the same ranking strategies that probably all the gurus talk about. Uh, did a bunch of giveaways, got it ranked, um, kept the lead. Uh, I stayed in stock, which is a huge thing to do if you're selling on Amazon. I cannot stress yeah. that enough. If you run out of stock, you lose the compound effect of building a brand, which customers actually... So if you think about how customers buy today, uh, if I showed you a really cool product, John, and be like, dude, this thing is amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. First thing you're going to do is you're going to bring out your phone. And you're going to be like, where'd you get that? I got it on Amazon. You're going to go to Amazon, look it up. And because we all have phones and all of our payment information is in our phone, you're going to swipe and it's going to be in your home in two days. Um, if you run out of stock, you lose the ability to build your best audience um, and you lose the ability to use people who have already bought your product to sell on your behalf. 
which is a really painful thing to rebuild uh, because customer loyalty is super valuable in the long run. Um, and so when I say double down, I mean staying in stock. I mean investing in getting yourself ranked on the Amazon platform. And then once you do that, investing in proven strategies off the Amazon platform to build your lead so that if anything does happen, new competitors come in the space, new brands show up out of nowhere, um, things happen, it doesn't really affect you as much because there are other sources sending traffic to your Amazon listings. When people go to Google, all of a sudden you're the only wall they see. Uh, when you're on Facebook, all of a sudden your ads start showing up everywhere. I mean, when you double down on one product and you build an ecosystem across every social ma marketplace, uh, you pretty much stay top of mind. And when you stay top of mind, you stay top of everything. Uh, not only because Amazon owns their shopping behavior, that's where all their credit cards are stored. Facebook owns their attention, which is where all their trust is stored. Google owns their, their thoughts, which is where people go when they're looking for questions. So if you just figure out a way to take one product, prove it on Amazon, get sales going, and then all of a sudden invest in other marketplaces to build your lead and cement the lead, um, you allow yourself to double down and compound a lot faster. So, I mean, when I said we reached six figs revenue within one year, that was from one product. Um, and so that was the strategy we really used. Yeah. So I think we can get into the strategies and the actual channels of, of how you took it beyond Amazon. But I think before that, you know, you obviously got to have a brand and you've got to have a vision for, for your brand. And I think what you've done, which is in, which was incredibly insightful, is, is you actually, you didn't just do what a lot of us do, which is, hey, I'm going to launch a, a product on, on Amazon, you know, and, and launch a product. And then maybe as it gets a bit of traction, you actually start to think about your brand. You actually started with your brand in mind. You already had a vision for that. You were like, I'm not just doing this for, for Amazon. I'm actually creating this, this, this brand. So maybe talk a little bit about like your thought process in creating that brand. And, and, and also maybe there's like two parts to this. One is how you actually, what, the, what is the process you went through to really understand your customer? Because I think if you have a brand, you've got to have a really good avatar. You've got to understand their needs. You've got to understand how you're going to engage and connect with that customer. So what did you do around that process to really understand your, your customer? And then how did you then engage with them? Yeah. So you asked a couple of questions. So yeah. I'll try and break that out. Yeah. Um, sorry. I should have <laughs> no worries. Um, but uh, I guess, what did I do in the beginning? So yeah, I Amazon was a platform. Uh, it was something I used to make money. Um, it wasn't something I used to live on. It wasn't something I planned on living on. Um, so when I launched my products, when I first did my product research, I was not only looking at can I create a product that's going to win, it was more can I create something that is scalable beyond Amazon. So I picked the coffee space not because I found a couple of different products like coffee grinders and French presses and pour orders and all that stuff that were selling well, but I also saw an opportunity to one day maybe sell beans, to maybe uh, go and do other things outside the coffee space to sell stuff in retail stores, to go to coffee shops, to partner with them. I saw a, a future beyond just private labeling, which was really important to me. Um, now, different people might say different things, but for me, like I said, I was really gung-ho on creating a brand because I wanted something that I could tell people. I hated going to Amazon conferences and not being able to tell people what I was selling. Uh, like That always just kind of bugged me and made me feel really weird. And so I wanted like... I wanted something that I could tell people and I could be like, look, this is what I'm selling. This is my brand. I'm really proud of it because I do put a lot in the work. I do put in a lot of work to create something meaningful. Um, so that was the importance for me. So in the beginning, I was always looking at how can I grow beyond Amazon? Um, 
once that happens, when you put in the work to realize that you don't just want to sell on Amazon, you want to create a brand, you actually put in the work to understand the psychographic demographic of the customers you're trying to sell to. So where, uh, what magazines are they reading? Where are they shopping? Uh, what kind of car do they drive? How old are they? How, uh, what do they love to eat? Where do they live? Why do they live there? Um, what are they going through in life? You know, what TV shows are they watching? Uh, what colors do they like? What smells do they like? You know, like just trying to understand what kind of music do they listen to. When How did you do that? How did you find out? Of it? So uh, one of my e-mentors, I guess Russell Brunson. Anybody here know who Russell Brunson is? He started a company oh, yeah. called ClickFunnels, which is like a bazillion dollar company now. Um, yeah. But uh, he actually billion. They did a billion in sales as of yesterday. I, yeah. I don't uh, yeah. don't doubt it. Um, he uh, he has this process called uh, creating a top 100 for your industry. So when uh, what a top 100 is is looking at who the top five for me coffee is who the top five coffee shops are who the top five subscription models are who the top five amazon sellers are who the top five magazines are who are the top five influencers who are the top five uh coffee tasters who are the top five importers who are the top five just understanding what your niche looks like because when you can paint a picture like that um before you even start thinking about the copy you're going to write or the bullet points you're going to do you start to really understand who is buying what and when you understand who is buying what, you start to see opportunities where you can insert yourself without having to take a lot of risk because you understand the ways that the entire system works together. Um, so that was really important for me in the beginning, gotcha. is really just understanding the entire ecospace of coffee. Um, but from there, uh, you talk about like how did I learn to connect with my customers. Mm -hmm. So I told you guys I, I worked a full-time job when I was building my company on the side. Uh, when I was working a full-time job, I had a mentor who spent about 37 years at the same company. And uh, with about three months left until retirement, he had a heart attack and died, yeah. uh, which like was a slap across the face for me because my dad had been working his entire life in corporate America. And so for me, when I, when I realized that was happening, um, I realized that everybody around me was focusing on going forward, shooting for things in the future, stopping, not really being present in the moment, appreciating what they have. So when I was building Java Press, really the mission sort of evolved. It, it, it never used to be wanting to connect with customers and create a really amazing brand that does all this stuff now. In the beginning, it was just, I want to make money so I can leave my job, so I can pay off my debt, so I can just live and be, be free. Um, but it, it grew once, once that experience happened. And once that experience happened, I started selling something that was true to me through my products, which is what then created the community um, that JavaPress has now. So it was built on a story that was real to me. And because it was real to me, I didn't have to really go out there and fake it. It was something that kind of came naturally to my customers. So when we communicated them in inserts, when we communicated with them through Facebook, when we communicated with them through unboxing or any type of inserts we give out to go and look at our website, the language on our website, everything was telling something that was important to me. And I think that built a really vulnerable connection with my customers. So then it became irrelevant of what I was selling. Um, I started connecting with an emotion and a human need to feel um, something. And I think that's what really took our brand. So we did, I think about like 80 grand a year uh, before this event happened. After this event happened, we were doing 240 to, to 320 grand a year. What? Or a month, sorry, not a year, a month in sales. After I switched the marketing to being more story-centric about, about what the product meant to me, 
why this product, because we weren't selling anything different at the time. Like, we really weren't. We were selling the same exact products that anybody else can source off of Alibaba and AliExpress, but the main differentiator that took us to the moon was just having a real story. And, um, and once I had a real story, then it didn't matter if I told everyone about the brand because it's my story. Like, because now it's the brand, it's not just the product. It's the story. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're selling the story. And when you're selling the story, it doesn't matter if everybody knows what you sell because they can't tell your story. And that's the competitive edge that you can create for any product. It doesn't matter what you're selling. You can be selling mops to selling lawnmowers. It doesn't matter. Like, if you've got a story that, that resonates with yourself um, and you tell that story authentically through your marketing, uh, you really create a product experience that people connect with. And when they connect with that product experience, you create something that's in its category of its own which is what brands on Shopify, which is what Kickstarter, uh, Kickstarter, there's a reason why Kickstarter brands do so well. Um, because they literally, like if you look at every Kickstarter landing page, it's like a story, a video. It's like, why did we do this? That's the, literally the first thing they answer. Oh, because I've always liked this or because I've always wanted this. And there's always some sort of connection from the brand to the product that makes people want to be a part of that story. And I don't know why we don't do it enough on Amazon, but it's the same exact concept. Uh, so having that is really important, and it was really important for us because um, it, we wouldn't have been able to scale beyond Amazon or even on the Amazon platform without having uh, that type of story-centric marketing be a center core piece. And yeah. when you have that center core piece, like I said, it doesn't really matter who your customer is because uh, you can knowing your customer and your avatar allows you to place ads and find them in the right places, but... Um, you're, you're, the way you sell them is going to be unique to yourself. Gotcha, gotcha. So let's talk about that, you know, creating that story and that brand experience. Like you were really smart in how you took people from buying a product on Amazon into an ecosystem bigger than, bigger than Amazon. Yeah. You maybe, maybe talk about that, that those customer journey trigger points and how you, you took them from the insert to something bigger and, and bigger than that, you know, and maybe talk about how you, how you look at the product versus the coffee and the subscription. I think that's a really interesting. Yeah, yeah. so space. sure. Um, just to give you guys some context, um, right now with the way we're set up, we have physical products on Amazon. We have a recurring coffee subscription on our Shopify store. So it's fresh roasted in the U.S. It's a completely different product line, a completely different revenue stream. I've got a podcast called the Stay Grounded Podcast that connects coffee with success, with fulfillment, with happiness, which then comes back to the story that I sell which then is reinforced through the product and everything. So uh, when, what John's saying is, I mean, we've really created an ecosystem that feeds one another. So it doesn't matter which ecosystem a customer comes through, they're all connected and there's touch points that tell the story in a million different ways because nobody hears it once and gets it. So by being repetitive with the way that we market and brand what we do, it allows them to really sort of create their own experience within the company, which is what I think creates really lifelong brand uh, advocates. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we do, uh, if they buy on Amazon, which is what everyone here uh, is, is, is doing, um, the first thing we do is immediately my customer service representative, or there's an email that goes out uh, through the Amazon email system that's from my, my rep. And it's like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm your personal customer service rep. Um, wow, that's interesting. I just want to let you know uh, I had a job I really used to hate before I joined JavaPress. And then I joined JavaPress, and because of the story and the mission and everything that we do here, I've really started to love it, and I have all the power in the world to make you happy. And that's the first email somebody gets. It's not even about the product. It's literally about 
how this person is so in love with the brand. And when you do that, all of a sudden somebody's curious. Now it's, now it's beyond the product. It has nothing to do with the product. It has everything to do with the message. They're like, what, the, what, what is the story? What's the, what's the brand? And so then they go to the website. Then they discover the podcast. And before the product even arrives, they're selling themselves on the brand without knowing anything about quality, without knowing anything about the way the product feels in their hands, without knowing whether it's working or not going to work for them, whether, whether they know if they're going to give it a one or five star review. They have no idea. All they know is right now, they have to know the story. So then the second email that comes in is right when the product's about to arrive, we give a ton of resources. Uh, we tell them some tips that aren't included in the insert, some tips that aren't included on the website just to get them to feel like these emails that we send them are really important. And then the product arrives. On the product, we're also uh, huge fans of, of giving back. So we're partnered right now with Make-A-Wish Foundation and we're going to be partnering with a lot more children's organizations over the next couple of years to, to help kids uh, that have gone through a tough break. Um, and so it's really important to me. And so that's, that's also told through the brand. So when they receive the box on there, it says immediately the first thing is, uh, every purchase you make, we donate to causes in need. Click here to learn more. So like I said, before the product is even opened, there's literally storytelling the entire way. There's no way somebody can look at me and be like, God, this guy's an ass. There's no way. And when somebody doesn't think you're an ass, or, there's, or when somebody doesn't think that you're like out to screw them, or scam them, or anything, there's no way they can leave you a one-star review, unless they're really bitter. So that's a really easy way to just scan out one-star reviews by starting story-centric marketing from the point somebody buys your product to the point that it arrives. Um, now, once they actually open up the box, we include inserts, and uh, now we have, now when we do the cross-selling and the upselling, um, you know, we launched the coffee subscription like five months ago, so it's relatively new to me, so I'm still learning it and figuring it out. Um, but uh, that part, you know, now we have a, hey, if you, since you bought our grinder, you get a free month to our coffee subscription, check it out. Um, and then on the insert, we give them God knows how many resources. We send them to a landing page, which is really important. So here, go to a landing page um, and check in with us, create an account with us to verify your purchase so that we can donate to charity. Uh, which is how we get emails. And then once you get emails, uh, then that starts a whole new journey of customer relationships through email marketing. We do a ton of email marketing every month, um, which is very much purpose-driven on turning customers who now have the product in their hand. So now all the marketing I do is all product-focused. So got uh, you know I, I spent a lot of money. Uh, instead of launching new products on Amazon, what I did was I took all the money and I created resources for the brand. So I have ultimate guides on grinding coffee, ultimate guides on French presses. I have like 200 articles on the website. I've got videos of me like showing how to use the product, answering every FAQ on the planet that is like, you know those little like questions and answers settings? Here's another hack. I was, um, you know, here's another hack. Like literally those question and answer settings, literally just go through all of your competitors, um, pull out a, an iPhone, just prop it up and just start answering the questions. Title those on YouTube and upload them. Now anytime an Amazon customer types that question into Google, all of a sudden your face pops up with you showing how to use the product that is on Amazon, sends them to Amazon, and boom, now you get a sale. Um, I have like random videos that I made like years ago that have like 400 views on it that I didn't even think anybody knew anything about. There's random questions that I got from Amazon and I just answered. Um, so you know, it's, it's about creating all that content. So I created all this content and I was able to use that content then to deliver an experience that was different than what anybody else can deliver. 
And so I focused really, really, really heavily on just delivering an amazing experience that minimized the, uh, the likelihood of leaving a one-star review. Uh, there was no hacks. There was nothing crazy. This is all just going above and beyond. It's under-promising and over-delivering. That's all it is. Buying on Amazon is an under-promise, 100%. They're just buying based on price. They actually probably don't even read your listing. They literally just look at the pictures. It looks pretty. There's enough reviews. Oh my God, this guy's not trying to scam me with keywords. Let me buy it. Boom. Um, so they don't really know anything about your product. So the real selling happens after they buy your product. And by focusing your resources on building that customer journey, you actually set yourself apart because nobody else is focusing their attention there. Um, so that's how we really do it, really, is, is bringing them into our world. And then once they're in our world, once they land on the landing page, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of using every type of marketing to literally like own like customer attention so like Google, YouTube, uh, Instagram, I mean Facebook, we're huge Facebook fans so we do a lot of ads um, and so when they land on the landing page we pixel them uh, and those who don't, don't know what a pixel is it's like this thing in Facebook where it's like a piece of code where if you put it on a website um, Facebook tracks that they came to your website and then you can just follow them with ads forever. Um, but we don't follow them with spammy ads. We follow them with like, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm super grateful for you being in our family. Thank you so much. Um, if you have any questions, just shoot us an email. Irene's always here to help. It's always helpful stuff like that in the beginning. And then you can set up ads based on how far they are in the customer journey. So when they're a little bit further and I'm like, yo, I got some dope coffee, get it. And it's a lot of fun to sell them that way. Um, so now on, that, now on that coffee, it's a, it's a high-end luxury Coffee, right? Yeah. So each bag is $25. It is sourced from some of the most exquisite farms around the world. I wanted to go the other end of Amazon, which was absolutely like high end luxury um, because that's the brand that I wanted to build. That was important to me. Now, I know a lot of people that take different opinions on this, but for me, our coffees will never go on Amazon. That is that's a purely smart. website focused product. Uh, we're revamping the whole website. New website goes live April 1st. Shout out. Just keep an eye out for it. It's going to be awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, so. I think that's I think that's incredibly smart because you've built this brand experience and this loyalty, you know, and they're like, wow, that was just a coffee grinder. But now I have like all these resources and I know how to grind and I didn't know there was like this much to coffee. And then you've bought in the subscription at a, at a very high price point, but you already got them because they 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 brand ambassadors, so of course they're going to buy it. And you know, even though I think your subscription model is new, it's only been going you said four months or something. I, I think that yeah, I mean, this, it's this working. Is a very, this is a very good chance that might even overtake your product sales by by far. Yeah, I mean, we're doing right. I think right now we have about four hundred subscribers, paying me twenty five bucks a month. Wow, uh, which is it's good money. Um, it's recurring. And it's not, it's not tied to Amazon. And it's recurring. Um, so it's like a set it and forget as long as I don't piss them off or screw up something. I think I'm, I've got fans for life. Actually, we had a, I was telling you this earlier, we had a customer. Uh, so we, had, we allow customers to like prepay for like tons of months. We had a customer pay for like $400 worth of coffee for like the next like three years, which was like crazy. Like I was like, this is wild. And so they just gave me $400 right off the bat. Um, and it's crazy that it came from a $23.99 product. So um, that's the really is. important thing because yeah. like you can take people from a price driven environment to something that is brand driven just by telling a good story um, and, I, and I can't and I can't emphasize that enough really I mean any product it doesn't matter what you sell there's a reason why you sell it and you tell that reason well enough you're gonna convince somebody that man this is the guy I need to buy this from forever um, and that's really what we've built and 
like I said, now we're kind of growing it and I'm investing more in the brand and, and bringing the brand name out. And so the podcast is a huge play with that. It's connecting, uh, you know, the coffee with other product lines we wanted, whether it be information products on how to have amazing morning routines or, or meditations or uh, the podcast, which will bring in a whole new stream of revenue with sponsorships and all that stuff. Um, really, you know, you use one platform, you double down on it. And when I say one platform, I mean, it can mean one product, it can mean 10. I don't, it doesn't matter as long as, and, and, and this should be said too. I mean, I personally don't think you need to launch 200 products. I think that's stressful. Uh, that stresses me out. Um, like cash flow constraints. Um, I mean, you're investing money into avenues that haven't been proven yet. There's going to be maybe two and 10 that take off. The other 10 are going to be base hits. Um, and that's really tough, especially when you're trying to scale a product that's got high demand. When you have a product that has high demand, you need to just take the cash you're making and buy more inventory and buy more inventory so you can sell more per day. And if you try doing that across 10 different products, um, it's just, it's hard to build like this infamous sort of name. Like now we have JavaPress. It's like, oh, that's a JavaPress grinder. I got that. Like I'm on Reddit all the time. I'm like seeing what people are saying about us. And there's all these like coffee nerds just talking crazy shit about our product. They're like, God, this $23.99 product, everybody has it. Like, what's so great about it? Like, they don't get it. Like, they don't, they don't, like, functionality-wise, it's still a product from China. Functionality-wise, it's not, it's a great product, but it's not the best. There are I mean, products out there that are the best, but the brand is the best. And that's the point that I really want to drive home today. If there's one point you take home, it's, if you invest in the brand, it really, quality is always going to matter to a certain degree, but you don't have to have a product that's industry-leading. You can have an industry-leading brand based on a unique story that you tell and only you can tell and that'll set you apart in light years beyond I guarantee you what your competition is doing. Um, yeah, I mean I just see that in the it's that that everyone's like well, how much is a brand worth but when you just that one little look on the Amazon pages and see your competitors you're 10xing anybody else in the space on that, on I mean, that page which is which is and that's just one little like unique view you know and that's literally because of the work you've done and the, the loyalty and the brand that you've created. So, you know, I, the biggest learning for me is just that it is a twenty three ninety nine product or, you know, somewhere around there. And you, you've actually thought about creating a whole experience around that. And we can do that with any of our products, which is, which is well, awesome. It's kind of funny. I'm actually the most expensive manual coffee grinder of yeah, its I'm kind sure on Amazon, yeah. which is wild, right? I mean, it's twenty three ninety nine, but it's the most expensive. Everyone else is like selling it for 10 bucks, 11 bucks, but mine's 23 and it's going to stay 23 might even go to 24. I don't know. But I mean, like I've, I've, I've now I've built and so once you build that lead, like now I've invested in product designers to go in and actually patent the product. So now we have a patented manual coffee grinder. So we have like a utility patent on it, which is amazing. And that just adds mm -hmm. to the lead. Um, so like once you double down, you can fake it till you make it. You don't have to have the best product, but you do need to invest in an amazing brand. And um, so I want to yeah. open up for questions in a second, but maybe just just a couple of other questions like so what's your advice for people who have started on Amazon or, or have a product and they're thinking about creating a brand or you know with, with something that they've got already and they're wanting to expand beyond Amazon what's the best advice you can give them to to start down that that journey um, one first focus on winning on Amazon first before you focus on getting off of Amazon I think a lot of people try and diversifying way too early um, you know, we were making six figures before I thought about even moving. Um, uh, I think that uh, you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you and Amazon feeds you pretty damn fast. So, um, so double down, get your product, making the money you want it to make. And that number is going to be different for everybody here. Um, so once you're making the money you want to be making, 
Uh, but there are things you can do now to start building that relationship. One, get really clear on your story. Have a website, even if it's just a landing page. Have a website, have an about, a compelling about, about who you are. I got a really good friend, Michael Quinn. You know Michael? Yeah, of course. Uh, Michael's a good buddy of mine. I mean, his story is literally about how he hires all of his family members yeah. to do everything. And like his story is literally like he's hanging out with his family and in the insert, it's like a picture of him and like his, his mom. brother yeah. and, or his, his mom, yeah. yeah. And he's like, hey, we're a family-run business. That's a story that makes me want to buy more from him. And it's a really himself. shitty design. Sorry, Michael, but it, it's a shitty it design doesn't. insert, but it's like, I'm a family business and like that's it what it does, is. But see, that's the thing, like, because when you're a family business, you can you can get away with stuff like that. Yeah. That's the thing you guys aren't realizing. When you, when you, when you have a really authentic brand, it doesn't matter how good it looks. How good it looks needs to, it's there to a certain degree, but it's not going to be the selling point. It's not going to be why somebody tells about you to another person. It's not going to be the thing that goes viral. Uh, what's going to be viral is the authenticity behind what you say. And Michael's an incredible example of that. Yeah, so, I mean, and he started, I mean, he's, that's, that's just, it's, like I said, that doesn't take a lot of work. He's just telling his truth. Um, and so that's the first thing I would do is have some sort of brand kind of authenticity that's tied back to you. doesn't matter what it is. It can be like, oh, I just really love this. Or, hey, look, I have a job and I hate what I do. And I wanted to get into entrepreneurship since I was a kid. And I finally did. And this is my first product. And I'm learning a ton. And I'm just growing. Even that is just going to be so much more refreshing than something being like the top this of this thing. I mean, manufacturing in this country, like it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, just being radically honest is one thing. Uh, two, um, start in some way, shape, or form thinking about how you're going to start building a customer database of some sorts. Um, for me, it was taking people from Amazon to off of Amazon and pixeling them and having them give me their email. You can do that through VIP clubs, you can do that through anything, but having a list is important. Um, and having a list, because now when you have promotions or you have anything, you can just send them back, you can sell more. Um, and, and building a relationship, however you build that relationship. I mean, Dollar Shave Club doesn't really do a lot of email marketing, but they have funny videos. I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. Build a relationship with your customers through some sort of authentic marketing that you don't have to fake. So if it's hard for you to do emails, don't do emails, do video. If it's hard for you to do video, don't do that, do emails. But figure out a way to really start investing in that brand slowly but surely so that you can create um, assets that you can leverage when you really need to. Like now I don't need to necessarily have ranking funnels going to Amazon, but I do need to have assets that allow customers to go from Amazon to buy my coffee. How am I going to do that? I'm going to be showing them guides about why or how to buy coffee. Literally like the 101 on how to buy coffee, like 50 articles, I just give it to them for free. Like stuff like that's invaluable. And stuff like that is worth a lot if you want to sell your company uh, at, at any point. Yeah, so I think, I think the last thing from my side is like, you know, you have an incredible work ethic and you know, just the fact of you going on and on, you know, questions and answers and answering all that and just, just putting that, that work in. But you also have a very, you know, like a methodology, methodology in terms of how you have created your business, and it's there's an entrepreneur mindset, and you and you learn from um, you know other people who have done it before. So maybe just a little bit of an insight into your mindset of, of how you've created your business. How do you learn? How do you fail forward? How do you you know what what's your what's your entrepreneurial mindset in terms of how you approach your business? Um, one thing uh, is to know why you're doing this. Um, I know that sounds so cliche. Sure I, I, I hate, I hate yeah. saying that, but I mean, yeah. it really is. 
it's such a it's such an important thing to know. I mean, and what is your why? Just I mean, well, I, my why evolves. Like when I was working right. full time, I was like, I don't want to be at this job. Like I'm willing to wake up early to work so I can leave this damn place so I can go do whatever the hell I want to do. That was big enough for me. Um, that might not be big enough for everybody, but that was big enough for me. Um, that's why it's hard to say like where the drive comes from. But um, then I think after that, it's discipline, really. Um, you don't need 10 hours a day to be successful. You just need one hour of really focused work. Um, and whenever that is, the, the trick for me, and I learned this when I was working a full-time job, but it was really just picking the same time every day to do work. Um, that way, like, you already know you're going to do it then. You already know and plan the night before what you're going to do in that hour. So when you're in that hour, you're not really thinking. You're just doing. Um, and, uh, and really sort of ruthlessly taking action in that hour and then after that hour, I would stop. Like I really wouldn't do much. Um, and in terms of learning your strategies and, and the masterminds, maybe, maybe talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm a, I love to uh, ask questions. I'm a huge question asker. Um, I love being around people that are doing well. Um, and I love asking them how to do I'm a sponge when it comes to really learning. Um, and uh, I love learning from people that have done exactly what I want to do. I think learning just from everybody is a waste of learning capacity. I don't yeah. think we have... Like we're not computers, we can't just take in everything. We have to be very selective about what we choose to put in our brains. And I choose to put in my brain. So like people I study are like the Shopify. Anyone, anyone know what the Shopify Build a Business competition is? Anyone know what that is? Um, I study them because they are where I want to be. Like I might not want to win on Shopify, but I see most of them have one or two different types of products that are just crushing it. Um, I want to know how they did it off of Amazon. So now that I'm in this off Amazon space, like really trying to learn that game. That's who I study from. That's all I learn. I go to masterminds where they're probably present. I try and figure out where they're probably speaking. I go to those events. I really try and soak in as much as I can about stuff that's relevant to me. Um, I think there's, you know, I've got a running book list that's like got off the charts right now. But, um, you know, I, I think reading stuff and soaking in information that isn't relevant to the action you're taking right now is, uh, it's, it's, it's almost a distraction. And uh, it gets in the way more than it does help. So even if somebody recommends a good book, you should be really disciplined about where you want to be. So knowing where you want to go is really important too. Um, no, not only knowing why you want to get there, but knowing where you want to be at what time. Setting a deadline, that's another huge thing. Um, like I set a deadline. And deadlines work for me. It might not work for everybody. But when I first launched my product in September, I told myself I wanted to make 15 grand a month in three months. Um, my mentor said that, uh, hey man, that's kind of hard. I don't know if you want to like shoot it a little short. And I was like, no, screw it. I mean, if I'm going to study for the SAT, I'd rather go for a 2400 than a 1900 and then end up short anyway. So might as well shoot for the stars. So shot for it. Ended up making 23 grand that month. Um, and so I would just highly recommend you be very crystal clear on what you want and then just focus on getting there. Um, read it every day. I read my goals every morning. Um, in the shower, I've actually got this printout on my shower that's just like... A waterproof one. Waterproof <laughs> one, yeah, yeah. Um, that I just read to myself. I'm like, I want this, I want this, I want this. Why do you want it? I want this, I want this, I want this. And it's just reminding yourself what you want, why you want it, and then setting aside time every single day at the same time to just ruthlessly execute. Um, and then the rest of the time, you're just taking in positive stuff and, and learning. Um, and if you just set up that one system, I mean... You'll be you'll you'll set yourself apart because it is a twenty mile march. Has anyone heard of the twenty mile march? You know that concept. It's this concept that you have two people racing, 
One person walks a mile every day. The other person walks five miles when he feels like it. Um, and the person, after the, at the end of 20 days, the person who walked, uh, the person who walked one mile every single day walked 20 miles. The other person walked, I think, like 11. Um, and that's, that's the moral of the story. I mean, really, you, it's a lot better to just do a little bit of work every single day without question than it is to do a lot of work when you feel like it or when the weekend's free or when your friends aren't hitting you up or like it's really easy to lose track if you're not disciplined so yeah that was for me as well i think it's just that idea of momentum like even if it's one little thing a week you know you'll look back and and see how far you've come so and momentum compounds yeah um you know like in the beginning it's just it's just an hour right and then all of a sudden it's an hour plus your reading and all of a sudden, it's an hour plus you're reading, and now you're hanging out with people that, like everyone in this room, you're hanging out with each other. Like, there's that now. And over time, it's just like this slow, slow growth, and then all of a sudden, it just blows up out of nowhere. I promise. It's like, it's literally overnight. Um, and it looks like an overnight success. That's why, that's where literally the concept overnight success happens, because people are like, oh, look, yesterday he was nothing, and all of a sudden, he's this now. Um, it is a uphill battle for a very long time. And then, but if you just stay on it, eventually you hit your break and then you just take off. Um, there's actually a really great book, one of my favorite books that covers that concept called The Compound Effect yeah. by a guy named Darren Hardy. He uh, is the editor-in-chief at uh, Success Magazine, so this guy knows his shit. Um, and uh, he, he crushes it. Um, and that, that's, that's all it is, just daily consistent work on the right things and then removing all the other things that aren't relevant with what you're working on and just focus there. And uh, I'd, I'd be very surprised if you don't see positive results. Um, won't be immediately, but give yourself a week or two, and you'll you'll start to see something. Awesome! I think that's we're gonna open it up now. But uh, so, real quick, what's what's the next crazy adventure for you? Oh man! Uh, really, right now it's just scaling the coffees. Um, Want to max out by the end of this year? So we have about eight thousand bags a month right now of max capacity. I'm at four hundred, so I want to max that out. Um, and then I want to hire a team that can manage all the day-to-day -day so that I can focus on branding and, and growing and partnerships and doing all the fun stuff that uh, we all want to be doing in our businesses but uh, are too tied doing all the other stuff to be doing. So Awesome. Yeah. So uh, let's open it up to questions. I think we've got a mic uh, somewhere, Darren. You got that right. Anyway. Hey, Yeah, cool. Uh, great questions. Um, firstly, when I first started coffee, I didn't even drink coffee, <laughs> just so you all know. I learned to love coffee after it started making me money. Um, but uh, before then, it really was just a niche that uh, my first business, uh, I back in 2014, was my first real stint in entrepreneurship. I joined a course called The Foundation, uh, which is a course that teaches people how to start a software business from scratch. Um, and in that business, the whole concept is, I'm, I'm not going to get into the course. Terrible business. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I'm here now. So uh, the business, it's, the concept is you ask people what their pains are, and then you build something that fixes their pain through software. So that was the concept of the business, or the concept of that. So my first business was uh, scheduling software for breweries. 
And um, the, the, the next concept of the foundation is ask them for pre-sales so that you can use the money they give you to build the solution before you even had money. Like a Kickstarter almost. Yeah. yeah. So I did that and I realized that brewers didn't have money. There weren't a lot of brewers out there. There's only like 3,000 in the U.S. and they were all broke. And um, I just realized that I had followed a passion into business and that screwed me because uh, I love beer and it's awesome. Um, and, uh, and so really for me, from there, when I came into the Amazon world, I wanted to take a very analytical approach. Uh, so I went through, actually there's an article out there that I wrote that uh, I'm happy to send you guys that literally details my entire product launch or product like finding niche process, finding yeah. process that I'm happy to share. Um, but in a nutshell, really, I went in super detailed on the numbers, looking at competitors, what was working, what wasn't working, doing the top 100, really figuring out what I wanted to get into before I even spent a dollar. And what was important to me about coffee was that it's unlimited. Like, it doesn't matter. It's one of the only niches in the world where as the world's population increases, so does the demand for coffee. If so, it's cold, you drink coffee. If it's warm, you drink coffee. It doesn't really matter. doesn't really matter. It's coffee. Yeah. Um, so for me, I just wanted a niche where if I put in my 100%, and I actually tried and worked, I couldn't lose. With breweries, that wasn't the case. I worked my ass off and I lost. And I didn't like that concept. Um, so I wanted something that if I worked hard, I would win. And that's why I picked a really competitive niche like coffee, uh, which was my, 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 my preference. Now with mentors, um, I started out actually at places like these. So like I started networking with people that were doing just a little bit better than me, learning from them, uh, I was a huge fan of paying for information, so I, I still am. Um, I think that if you can learn from somebody else's mistakes, you save yourself so much time. Um, I worked a full-time job when I first started JavaPress, so I had money to invest in my learning. So I was actually more willing to, to risk. Um, but in hindsight, that was one of the most important things I did because it built a mindset of learning and, and taking action on info products. I think info products have a bad rep. They're like, oh, these don't work. Well, they only work if you work. Um, so every course I've ever bought works um, because I put in the work and I ask the questions and I get engaged in the community and I'm really, really, really about it. Um, so my mentors came in paid form in the beginning, um, either coming to events like these, finding people that are a little bit ahead of me um, or buying their courses and then excelling at their courses. And then when I excelled at their courses, they were like, oh, I want you to, I want to make you a case study. I was like, yeah, well, can you mentor me at the same time? Like, so it kind of worked out to where I would kind of earn my way into their mentorship and then do that, and then once I did that, um, you know, we were doing successful, and then I started investing in masterminds, uh, conferences, meeting people at conferences, getting to know them, adding value however I can, so that they would invite me to other meetups and masterminds and conferences. And then it just slowly but surely trickled into, now um, I'm, I'm in a couple of different masterminds that, that, are, that make me really happy and add a lot of value to my business. Um, but that, it all started with paying for information and then taking the action to uh, really sort of figure it out and make the people who created the courses want to mentor me. I mean, I was 20, 26 right now. So I was, when I first started, I was 23, uh, 24. So like, you know, when you're, when I was that young, it was really cool too. Cause when somebody sees, you know, me at that age and you're doing something like they wanted to help me. Um, so, but I don't think that age is a barrier at all. Mm -hmm. I think that if you just get out there and you work hard and you're really eager and you show that you're willing to learn and you're willing to be humble and, and you're willing to just take in information and execute, I think anybody would be glad to mentor. Uh, I think people are itching to give away information, actually. Um, so, anyways, hope that answers your question. Yeah. Uh, I think over here. 
What's going on, dude? Yeah. What was the worst day for JavaFest? Like after you got going, you were like scaling the supplier, not sealed the bag one day. What was the worst problem you had with the product? God damn it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my worst day came. Which one did you pick? Uh, came in March of 2016. Um, so I told you I was making, I was actually, we're doing pretty well, consistently growing. 20 grand a month, 40 grand a month, 42, 43. Then March came and uh, I found out that there was like a fatal flaw in the grinder that, so where 90% of the products broke. So it wasn't a product that broke immediately, it broke three months after, so there's no way I could have even done a quality check. I wasn't a material engineer, I didn't know anything about it. So they all broke and uh, you know, thankfully I had inserts that said, if there's any problem, just contact us. And so, uh, but we got a ton of one-star reviews. We got people reaching out to me wanting to refund, 90% refunds. Yeah. So like went from making 40 grand a month to losing probably like 20, 20 something grand, um, like literally overnight. Uh, and, uh, but at the time that I realized, I realized very early that on Amazon, if you can keep a high rating, um, you can weather the initial storm, which is like that storm, there's a storm on a, on a so we, on our grinder, I think right now we have about 4,400 reviews. Um, this happened when we had like 200 or 300 reviews. So when you're at that point, there's a, there's a tipping point of reviews where once you have enough, it doesn't matter because people just trust that there's so many reviews, they're probably good. But there's that breaking point where you're in like the two to three, 400, 500 range where it's really easy to go from five star to four star, and four star to three and a half if you're not diligent, right? So in that time frame, what I make, I knew it worked. I was making 40 grand a month the month before. So I knew that this was a problem that needed to be fixed. But if I let this go, this would be an asset that I wasted a lot of time on. So I actually refunded all my customers. Um, I like was actually re like replying to people myself. So as soon as I knew the messages were coming, so I had canned responses. As soon as someone responded uh, or like, hey, uh, my grinder broke, what the hell? Um, and then literally two minutes later, boom, send it. Hey, I uh, just want to let you know, um, so sorry, that's definitely our fault. I'm going to refund you and send you a new one. Um, and when I fix the product, I'm actually going to send you a replacement too, like a replacement piece. The fact that I responded within two to three minutes made them forget that the product was even broken because they're like, what? This is crazy. I've never experienced this in my life. And that was the first inklings of us actually creating a brand on Amazon. So although it was one of the worst things that ever happened to me, it ended up turning out to be one of the best things that happened for me because it created the customer service philosophy that we have now that allowed us to create something that sort of compounded over time because within four months I fixed the problem like I talked to my supplier and I was like hey look like this thing is breaking you need to fix it um, and they fixed it and then when we sent it out customers were ex those same customers they remembered I was like hey I didn't forget you I here's a piece on me take it uh, I just want to say thank you for believing in us so it's like something like I just said something simple and those people are the ones that are paying four or five hundred dollars for my coffee right now. Um, and so when you really think about it, like doing the right thing at the right time, even though it doesn't feel right to you, um, will end up actually being the best thing you could do for yourself. So just even though you're weathering storms, just know that it's a roller coaster and uh, just do the right thing. And if you've proven it and it makes money, because this concept makes money. Everyone here, this makes money. You're, you're, if you just do the right things and you stick with it, you will make money. It's not even a question. Yeah. Um, it's just making everyone's weather, everyone's roller coaster is going to be different. So your roller coaster is going to be a hell of a lot different than mine. Um, but just make sure that when those roller coasters come, you recognize that this is an opportunity 
to be better. There's a really great book actually called Obstacle is the Way. A guy named Ryan Holiday. He talks about this entire concept where um, he talked about all these stoic philosophers and how one guy was like deaf and when he was deaf he turned into like one of the best speech writers ever and like so like it it you just got to roll with the punches and don't give up and uh, well so. that, that honesty and that authenticity is what's going to give you longevity you know everybody's going to make money but if you if you don't really you know bring the right value you can kill your brand and and so that's what you got to you got to do look at know? it this way in that moment if I would have been like um, oh yeah, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, it's 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 just oh, a shit. defect. Or like I'm gonna send you a new one. And I didn't even I was, if I wasn't even honest with them, that would have happened again, and then again, and I would have made my quick money, and I'd be out in three months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, when you really think about it, uh, even I mean, think about it. Think about your friends. Like whenever you screw up, like and you're like, oh, you you don't want to go out, or you want to go meet up with friends or something, and uh, you're like, uh, yo, dude, like I'm feeling kind of sick. Or if you're like, dude, I really don't want to show up tonight. Like, I'm having a bad day. It's not fun. Like, I'll catch you next time. Y'all go have a good time. I'll meet you out later. Like, which one's going to be received better? This one where he probably is like, God, this asshole. He just lied to me. Or this one where he's like, all right, that's real. Thank you, man. Um, I'll see you later. And that is the type of marketing that is going to win in the long term, even though it doesn't feel like it in the moment. Because customers are going to care. Tough. Did that answer your question, man? Nice. Nice, dude. Um, the question I want to ask you is: I think we're so we own skincare company. Um, we're at the point where we're ready to build our brand outside of Amazon, and this whole time we have it, right? Social media, Facebook, um, very passively. And I want to ask you if you're giving up the step by step, very high level, with Amazon, for example, you switch your product, you list your product, you write the copy, you get the reviews, you launch. That's kind of the if I was to build my brand outside of Amazon from a very high-level perspective, like what kind of steps would that look like? First thing I would do is improve your product. That's the first step before you do any type of external marketing. You cannot paint a turd, dude, and you cannot sell a turd. So um, just get out there and make your product better, whether it be packaging, tell the story on the packaging, whatever you need to do. Those are really simple steps that you can do with your supplier first because that takes time to implement. So the first thing I would do is just go to your supplier, Go to a, like go on like 99 designs, create a new design, get a copywriter, create something really nice, come up with your story, all that stuff. Create the product, get your product in your factory, creating all that stuff. While then you come to the website, create a brand and a story. The story page is super important, um, and uh, and then start there. So then you you build you build the website. I wouldn't necessarily really, dude. Like, I don't think you need to have a ton of likes on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. I mean. That's all like just there. It's like social proof, I guess. But no one usually goes to Instagram to see if you're awesome before they go to Amazon and buy. What I would probably do is go to Google, because what people do do uh, is after they look for your product on Amazon, if there's five people that look the exact same, they're gonna go to Google and be like, uh, "This versus this," or like they're gonna have questions that are related to your product before a purchasing decision. So you creating. Uh, assets on Google, whether it be you talking in, and like I said, the first video I ever made was an unboxing video. I think it's got video. You guys hear that? Uh, it's got an unboxing. <laughs> oh, is it a women? Is it a women? It's a woman. So why did you? So why did you start your skincare product line? Was it because it was making money? That's a story right there. 
Hey, so I was looking for a product to try. Um, my girlfriend really liked the skincare line, and uh, you know, my relationship with her means a lot to me. So I wanted to invest in this brand and create something meaningful. Uh, so that's what goes into the skincare brand. Her, like you know, my thoughts of her are poured into this brand, and that's what we're putting forward to you, or something like that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know your relationship. I mean, I'm just saying that like you can use, you know, like you, you can be honest. Like, look, my girlfriend picked this. Uh, and I don't know anything about skincare, but I mean, being honest and, and bringing that into your marketing is real. Um, yeah, I think we just going back to the question of taking people and, and growing your brand outside of Amazon. We, we were talking earlier, but I think that whole idea of using your inserts to get people to a website to get their emails um, is is really key. And then and then following that model of give give, and then ask on an upsell later. I think is, is, a, is a really smart um, way of taking it taking it off there because if you get the emails, then you can use Facebook advertising oh, and audiences say, to, to grow that side. So I'll say this: guys. it's hard to give unless you you know what you're going to give. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying, figure out your story first. Figure out how you're going to tell the story, mm -hmm. then go and collect emails. Because if you collect emails and you don't do it right, I mean, it it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to get you're going to get lost in the thousands of emails in their inbox. Um, so I would really invest in figuring out what that story is. It doesn't mean it doesn't sound like you've got that crystal clear yet. Brainstorm that. Really think about all the angles that you can kind of bring that in, um, that feel right to you. Look at your competitors. I guarantee you, you're going to get some gems that just show up. Um, it's, build, like, it's building that avatar. You know, it's building that avatar of like who your customer is and what what is their need and what you can connect on. Yeah. And, yep. Yeah. And whatever's real to you, share it. Um, so that's the first thing. Fix your product. Come up with a story. You come up with a story. You start building assets, like John said, that are related to the product. So, like guides on how to apply stuff. Like maybe invest in influencer marketing. So other women using your products and getting reviews, putting them on your website. Like look at how many people are using my products and all this stuff. Um, all that. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Hey, Ross. Um, so you were mentioning the review process um, for just getting this first like two or three hundred. I was just wondering uh, if you would rely on just like an organic story for all of those, or did you do some other things to try to get people? Well, under promise, over deliver. So that's the first thing. I wouldn't say that all my reviews came. I, I launched in a day where you could give away products in exchange for reviews. So I'm not even gonna act like my first one hundred were difficult to get because that's where the game we played then. But now, if I had to do it all over again, um, one, I would get friends and I know it's super uncomfortable to get friends and family to leave reviews, but that's a really great way to get started, at least the first 20. Because the test I've run is once you get 20 reviews, um, the next break in conversion rates happen at 100 reviews. And then the next break in conversion rate happen at 1,000. So the first 100 are really your sprint. You want to get there as fast as possible. The first 20 come from friends and family, and then the next 80 are, in my opinion, where you tweak and test your conversion rate. So you're changing bullet points, images, you're testing PPC, you're learning more about the product, and that's where you're really getting ground and understanding what's happening in the ecosystem that you're trying to dominate. Um, so as far as getting reviews, I know some people that do different things like um, there's manufacturer rebates where you put it in the insert and say that, hey, look, uh, give us feedback and we'll send you another product completely outside of Amazon. Uh, it's kind of black hat. I, like I said, I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing a lot of black hat stuff just because of where our brand is now. 
um, so I don't try to do all that. But if I had to start all over again, I would try to find a way to implement ranking funnels mm -hmm. and psychological triggers that allow people to leave reviews. So like one thing that, uh, that we tested out that worked pretty well was we would run ranking funnels where we would send traffic from Facebook to Amazon. People would buy and they'd be, we'd get their email so they'd be on a list. So in the list every week we would like screenshot the best review and say, hey, thanks, you know, person, you just won uh, an entire a $25 Amazon gift card for leaving such a great review. Um, and that we just did that over time and eventually people subconsciously started leaving more reviews. <laughs> I can't, I can't lead that back to saying that we got a lot of reviews because of that process, but we did get reviews pretty quickly um, when we were implementing things like that with the grinder. So that kind of stuff is pretty organic. I mean, I, from doing this game, I, I'm a big fan of playing the long game mm -hmm. um, because, like I said, you're not going to build dominance until you get to 1,000. And to get to 1,000, you're not going to do giveaways or hacks. Um, you can. I think you have to have a really good differentiating product. You've got to have a great. You've got to have a great product that sells itself, um, and what sells itself is the story, or product quality. And unless you guys are building something like wild, uh, you know, like you guys are really putting a lot of thought into creating a product experience that's just like wow, like there's tootsie rolls popping out of it. So I'm like, I don't know, like there's crazy things you can probably do, but like if unless you're doing something wild like that, uh, it really is the story of like what your brand is, how you got started. Um, and then asking for reviews. You'd be very surprised how many people will just give you a review if you ask it. Uh, another thing actually we do, I didn't realize this, but big fan of converting seller feedback into reviews. Everybody here already doing that? So that's a big way to do it. Um, and you can do that. The same concept happens when you collect somebody's email and you tell storytelling and marketing. Um, and then when you just give, 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 all of a sudden you're like, hey, um, pretty small time guys, you wanna leave a review? And we get a lot of people responding. Um, yeah, we'll leave a review. So, I think it's just the law of reciprocation. I mean, if you give, you'll get. It's not quantifiable, but it is a very sustainable way to build a brand. That's probably not the answer you wanted to hear, but it's 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 how I prefer to do it. Um, so I think we're gonna go with maybe one more question or two. Yeah, yeah, one over there. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want you guys to all find a guy named Joey Coleman. Uh, he is like one of the most brilliant customer experience people on the planet. Um, he's coming out with a new book right now, and it's going to be amazing. But he's got a podcast as well. And uh, I think the first episode I listened to this podcast, it was like a gem in there, and I'll share that here. But it was customers don't compare your service or your experience with your competitors. They compare it to the last experience they had. So if somebody had a $300 steak dinner and then buy your product, they're subconsciously comparing your product experience to that $300 steak dinner because that's just how our brains are wired. So those type of gems come from Joey. Um, big fan of The Purple Cow, which is a, a book by Seth Godin. Great book on differentiating yourself uh, and creating a, a brand that, that sells. Evolved Enterprise by a guy named Yannick Silver. 
um, great book. I mean, that's where I really sort of connected the dots for my brand and really created the story that was connected to myself and, um, and, and, and was able to kind of tie it all together. That's a huge book for me. Uh, Evolved Enterprise by a guy named Yannick Silver. Um, let's see, what other storytelling? Uh, Building a, a Story Brand. That's another really good book. Um, let me think. What's a podcast? Podcasts. Uh, podcast Joey's. I, I, I love Joey's podcast on customer experiences. And, um, and uh, really, I'm a huge funnel hacker, so I love buying other people's products out of my niche and out of my price range. Because usually when you buy luxury products, you start to get a lot of really crazy ideas of like just mm -hmm. how they're treating That's their customers. Great. And if you can, most people don't know how to source in China, so we all win here for that. Um, so if you can take stuff that people are doing in the United States and charging 10 times as much, you take the same ideas, go to someone in China and be like, hey, can you create something pseudo like this? But even if it's 10% of the, of the effect, if it's a $400 product, you just gave a $40 experience. For a ten dollar product, so you you actually end up creating an experience that's 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 pretty magical. So I'm a huge fan of buying other people's products, and uh, and capturing inspiration in that way. Brands that I admire, I do that. Uh, one of my favorite brands on the planet, uh, I love uh, Best Self Co. They are a journal company. One of the founders is one of my best friends, and uh, he's built a company that went from zero to about twelve million in two years and building just an impeccable product and customer experience. And I would highly recommend everybody funnel hacking the shit out of him because mm -hmm. I think he's definitely worth funnel hacking. Um, I think, uh, who else? Uh, yeah, man, I mean, I think really it's, it's just having an, like being aware is a big thing. So if you're out somewhere, like for example, I was walking before I came in here, uh, I was walking around Hollywood and I walked into a store across the corner I think it's like uh, it's like story something. It's like a pink lettering. I don't know. It's like some uh. story. Some it's like a record store with like clothing inside of it and like right, 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 right. weird weird books that have nothing to do with one another. Like all kind of put around. I just walked in there and I just thought that that brand was so cool. It was so interesting to me. And when I did that, I'd sit down and say, all right, what was what is so interesting about this? Like why am I so interested in this? So I think being intentional about noticing things as you're experiencing them or even people with great style why do you admire them like what about them is standing out to you um, all of it is, is is a part of branding and the more aware you can be about the things that make you attracted so like whether it's something that you want to buy if there's shoes you want to buy like why do you want to buy them like if there's clothes that you really like if there's celebrities you really like like why um, asking yourself why and really thinking about like what about them is attracting you is likely going to attract other people too and, uh, and applying those marketing techniques uh, to your brand is a, a really simple way to get ideas uh, without having to go and find mentors and, and all that fun stuff. Awesome. I think, uh, okay, one last, one last question and then we'll, we'll call it. What's up, dude? Uh, future of coffee or of Amazon? Um, I think that Amazon's still one of the best places to launch a business. I don't think it's one of the best places to like keep a business forever, which is why I I mean, but I still think it's the fastest way to make money. And no one can take that away. I mean, it's faster to make money on Amazon than anywhere else in the world. I mean, if you go and tell anybody above the age of, you know, like, like I told my dad actually, I told my dad this. I was like, dad, I mean, you know, we invested in a product and got it to making 10 grand a month in three months. Like, like that doesn't happen in any other type of business. 
Like that really doesn't, even for the small investment that it is, even if you buy just a thousand dollars worth of product, like you cannot make your money back that fast in any other type of business. So I still think that e-commerce and Amazon is a huge playground. Um, I do think it is a playground though and not where you want to spend all of your time once you become successful. So once you build momentum on the platform, that's when you want to start really investing in those brand assets that you can leverage to build something off of Amazon. But the beautiful thing about Amazon is once you rank and once you stick it and you don't run out of stock, you're making money for a really long time until you just really screw up. Um, and Amazon so, knows that, so they just reward you. And oh my God, they literally like, yeah. I'm telling you, like, just staying in stock, I cannot say that enough. Like, I can't tell you how many people I've just outlasted. Like, I've just outlasted so many people that like ran out of stock and all of a sudden, oh, they need to put someone in the bestseller tag. Well, this guy's been in stock forever. Let's just put him in there. Like, it's just a, such a simple thing like that. But that comes with cash flow management, right? That comes with being able to fund inventory orders and setting up, you know, purchase loans and, and being able to be smart about where you're deploying your capital, which is business in itself. So um, I, I do think that there's a future. I do think that you need to be smart and I do think you need to move fast, which is why I'm another big fan of just focusing on finding like one product that takes off and then building a brand around that product. I still think that's the fastest way to win on Amazon because then you use the money you make on Amazon to invest in an off Amazon presence. Um, that makes you almost like invincible for that one product line. Um, so, does that answer your question? The first part was, is there a future on Amazon? Oh. Yeah. So it definitely depends on the product. Um, you have to be smart about the product. So which is why I said I don't just look for product research on Amazon. I look for niche research. Is there an opportunity for me to scale this outside of Amazon? Um, I don't think it's too late to start. I really don't. And I mean that honestly. Like if you find the right niche, if you find the wrong niche, man, like if you jump in and you expect to make money um, without putting in extra effort, like it depends on how much capital you have to deploy too. Um, you know, like I've spent a lot of money ranking my product, even back in the day. Like I spent a lot of money before I actually started making money. But it took that, that consistency. If I would have given up, then I wouldn't have made it. Uh, so it really depends on your stomach too. Are you willing to put in a lot of money ahead of time to get the win? Um, so that's a conversation for yourself, obviously, right? Um, but if you find the right product niche and you stick with it, um, and you implement strategies that gurus are teaching to rank your products on Amazon, and then implement off Amazon tactics like for example, I said this, but you know, when I went to, to uh, when I first launched, uh, after I got my product like ranked, making like ten grand a month, I went to Google and I just started pay, like paying people, sending my products to like bloggers and just sending links to Amazon. Um, you know, I would take off-beaten paths like that to cement my my brand in the space. Um, so it just depends. I, I, I uh, yeah, and I think actually my answer there is I think it's it's getting better and better especially if you're focusing on creating a brand and a yeah. product rather than, you know, just retail, you know, just selling someone else's product or whatever. And I think that, um, you know, if, if you, Amazon is just growing and growing and they're investing as much money as they can and, it's, you know, e-commerce is becoming bigger and bigger. So you just get a little niche and a little, a little percentage 
you know, three years ago when we started, everyone was like, oh, is it too saturated then? You know, so it's always going to be like that. But uh, no, it's, it's definitely getting better and better, I think. And I'll say this, like, you know, I'm, now I'm starting to sell a lot more on Shopify, right? So I have a website. Uh, we average like a 1% to 2% conversion rate. And I'm like giddy when I get 2%. Um, on Amazon, we're like 25, 30. Like, I mean, you just don't get that type of conversion rates anywhere on the internet. So like, when you think about it, like, that right there, people are hungry to buy on Amazon. There's more people coming on Amazon every single year. Even just me staying in stock, you know, has grown my sales like 20%. So when you really think about it, I think it just, it is, it does, it is a long game though. It's not a quick game. Um, so if you're invested in that um, and you be aggressive, you have to be aggressive. If you're not like moving fast um, and like doing everything you can to get reviews, if you're, if you're, if you're not really being proactive and getting after it, um, you're gonna have a tough time because you're right it is saturated but if you're if you're putting in the work and you're really getting after it and being very aggressive I still think there's room for people to make a lot of money so thank you Raj that was that was awesome appreciate it meet Jordan his nine to five is more like 24 7 and it means he's spending less time like this with his son. He's ready to become a full-time dad, but just needs to find his first million-dollar Amazon product. Jordan was scratching his head looking for an amazing product to sell on Amazon. We gave him five. Our brand new Niche Raider tool uses state-of-the-art calculations to measure demand and competition to show which products are worth selling and which to avoid. Now Jordan just needs to figure out which product he likes best our seriously strong software is built for sellers by sellers, which means every single tool, feature, and data point that we create is tried, tested, and true through the lens of real sellers. Zonguru, built for sellers by sellers.